Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. I'm always sensitive to the simplicity of how many different stories there are within a crowd of people. First time guests, been in church a long time, hurt by faith, hurt by life, broke your own life because of your own dumb decisions, just disappointments. And, and um, for some reason I was feeling that in this service. And so I just pray that, you know, I got a message and but I pray that sometimes beyond the message that God can speak to you where you need it individually, uniquely. God has a purpose. God has a plan for you by yourself, but within your family, but within the context of this church. God has an eternal, eternal plan for you. And I just pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you where you need it. So come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. Holy Spirit, I invite you. Be the most honoured guest, Lord. Strength of my life, strength of this house. Let a fresh oil of heaven touch your people where they need it. Let a fresh oil get on every man here, every woman. Let it spring of new days, new thinking. Let it unlock things that have been hidden sometimes for months and sometimes for years. Let truth be revealed. Let it be revealed in a way they can receive it. God, I believe you for miracles across this church, across every child in our kids' space, across every youth, from the oldest to the youngest, God. I stand before your presence and I declare over these people your name and your renown. Let this house be a house of transformation. Come on, let's declare this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you. Fill me where I'm empty. Give me clarity where I lack it. Give me faith where I have doubt. In your mighty name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, one more time. Can we just honor the presence of the Lord in the house of God? Praise God, praise God, praise God. You can grab your seat. John chapter 1, we're going to be delving into in our greatest series, the Gospel of John. If you haven't been reading your Bible in a while, jump into John chapter 1. I could read John chapter 1 all day. John chapter 1, the more you read it, the better it gets. And the more you read it, the more you see. And the more you read it, you're just like, my goodness, this is deeper than I think. And uh, John chapter 1, we're going to start out with verse 42. Verse 42. 
If you've got your Bible, if not, it'll be on the screen, nice and big. John 1, how about I find it? How about that? Don't you hate when the, your iPad reminds you of something and you're just like, I don't care right now. You, you need to shut up. Uh, John 1, 42. Let me make sure I've got the, oh, for goodness sake, I've got the wrong translation. NLT, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm now ready. Verse 42, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intently, someone say intently. At Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. He reads who he is, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. Notice that he's looking for Philip and he's looking for you too. And said to him, come and follow me. It's always the invitation of heaven to actually not just believe upon Jesus, but to follow Jesus. And Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And then Philip went to look for Nathaniel. What was weird in the service today, I met two Nathaniels at the end of service. They had to come up to me and say, my name is Nathaniel. Because in a second, I'm going to preach about Nathaniel. And then uh, said this, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth. Nathaniel exclaimed, can anything good come from there? Come and see for yourself. Can anything good come from church? Come and see for yourself. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And Nathaniel asked, how do you know anything about me? He said, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, which means teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I have seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Can we say that together? You will see greater things than this. Then he said to them, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. The title of my talk is just greater, greater. Um, I, I, I was a tennis coach uh, for a number of years. The first five years of our church, I, was a, I would teach at uh, Montclair and I taught in... Um, short hills and, and so forth. And I always like teaching people who like to listen. <laughs> like I don't like teaching people who don't like to listen. How about you? Like when the kid thinks he's too good, too cool, too smart, I'm like, go to someone else. Stop wasting my time, son. I like to listen. I like to, sorry, I like to teach people who want to learn. And, and so sometimes you would have you know, high level, good kids and, and, uh, and they were hungry to learn. And then other times you'd have kids who were just not that good and they would surprise you how much they thought they knew. And you're like, you don't know much. You're crap. Yeah, no, you got to tell them sometimes. You are not that good. You should listen. <laughs> and... Um, and I always found that the, the fruit of listening was to improve faster. The fruit of listening is to improve faster. The fruit of listening, you have more to learn, don't you? The fruit of listening to someone who knows about money, you learn, don't you? The fruit of listening about relationships is you don't know that much. 
But then the fruit of listening is, oh, I've, I can grow. The fruit of humility is actually listening. What's interesting about the text that we jump into is Nathaniel is sitting under a fig tree, which doesn't mean much to us, but in the ancient Talmud writings, it actually said if you really want to discover truth and you want to hear God's voice and you want to know who God is, there were these, there's, there's the five first books of the Bible and then there is the Talmud and the Talmud was written far later and it's just a summary of lots of Jewish teachings. But it said, if you want to really hear God, get under a fig tree, show God you're serious. And Nathaniel's under a fig tree, seeking God, seeking truth. He's looking for truth. I found this, if you'll look for truth, you'll find truth. The more you look for truth, the more you'll find truth. But if you look for your own opinion, how many know you'll find someone with your own opinion? And Nathaniel is under this fig tree and he is actually perhaps looking for the Messiah. He is looking for truth. And then Philip, his boy, finds him and says, listen, I found the one who Moses has written about. And Nathaniel was the kind of character that is looking and searching for truth. So Philip says, let's go bring Nathaniel to Jesus. And when Jesus sees Nathaniel, he says, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. And then he says to him, and he gives him one of the greatest compliments that he gives anyone in verse 47. He says this, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Someone say integrity. The Amplified Bible defines it kind of like this. It says, a man with no guile, not sly, not cunning. It says, a man with no deceit, he values the truth, he, he talks the truth, even if it hurts. A man with no trickery, kind of guy, just shake his hand, it's a business deal. Kind of guy you can trust around your wife. Kind of guy you can trust around your girlfriend. Kind of guy you can trust around, just a, you don't need to no know lawyer. Around Nathaniel, because he was a man of truth. And I was thinking about this this week, and I was just thinking about this text, and sometimes the text bothers me. Normally I know what I'm meant to preach on, because the text bothers me. Just, to, it just, I can't get it out of my head. And I just like, man, I, it, it's like God's showing me like, there's gold in here and you don't see it yet. That's what happens to me. I'll read the scripture and I'm like, for some reason I can't get away from John chapter one and Nathaniel. And I'm thinking about Nathaniel, Nathaniel, then Nathaniel. <laughs> and I'm just like, Nathaniel, what do you have? And he and he's and he's and he's can't be tricked. He honors truth. He's seeking truth. He's looking for truth. I thought to myself, man, we need more Nathaniels in church alive. We need more Nathanielettes in church alive. We we need some people who are integrous of soul. Now here's the amazing thing about the gospel. Obviously the gospel, the good news that Jesus loves you means you can be here today and be the biggest liar I've ever heard of in my life and God still loves you. But here's the thing, He will not leave you to remain the biggest liar. He has to change you. He has to form you. He has to shape you. And what that really means is that you have to value truth. Because if I value truth, what happens is I will eventually bump into Jesus and I will eventually bump into the truth of myself. And in the truth of myself, eventually I'll find more truth about God. 
because he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. And he says, you believe just because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than these. Someone say greater. greater. How many know God has greater for you? Yes. Come on, how many know God has greater for you? Yes. But many times the greater thing he has for you is on the side of you dealing with what you're avoiding. Many times it is you dealing with what you're avoiding. Oh, <laughs> it's often dealing with what you're avoiding, what you're running from, what you refuse to see, what your friends would tell you, what the house of God will tell you. Are you with me? I believe the fruit of, the, of truth, the fruit of truth is freedom. The fruit of truth is freedom. How many want freedom? Say yes. yes. The fruit of truth is freedom, but often we avoid truth. The fruit of truth is freedom. We want the fruit, don't we? But sometimes we don't want the tree called truth. Someone ever told you you got something in your teeth? They told you the truth. Someone ever told you you got a booger? No, hey, you got a little bat hanging in your cave. I was, I was talking to someone twice in the last six months and the same person told me I had a bat in my cave. I didn't want to see the person anymore. I was like, oh, every time I see her, I got a booger. <laughs> I wanted to avoid the truth. Amen. How many, how many of you, you're those kinds of people that you tell them right away? You tell them, who tells them? You tell them. How many of you just avoid them? Let them have a booger. Let them have something. Let them have a little, little thing on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I let someone else tell them. I let, yeah. I'll be like, I let someone else tell you. <laughs> that means I'm an avoider. <laughs> That's bad news. I'm a pastor. I'm an avoider. <laughs> I won't tell you you got bad breath. I'll just tell my friends, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that's good preaching. Oh, that's good preaching. And Jesus invites Nathaniel to a greater story, doesn't he? And Jesus invites you to a greater story. Jesus invites you to a greater story, but he doesn't know how great the story is. And he is invited on a journey. Someone say journey. journey. The journey of faith is a journey to something greater, isn't it? It is to let go of something lesser so I can grab hold of something greater. And he has to let go of his preconceived ideas that Nazareth is not a good place. He says this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It had a reputation that it wasn't any good. Do you know that theologians tell us that Nazareth had maybe 200 to 400 people? One of those towns, you just don't go there. One stoplight, if they're lucky. You ever seen those towns in like Ohio or Pennsylvania or Virginia? It's like town of 212, then someone crosses it out, 210, because Arnie Sue died. That was Nazareth. Nothing good. You didn't go to Nazareth. And Nathaniel has this perception that Nazareth is not good. You could often pick up from culture the perception that the house of God is no good. That church is no good. 
They, t- they say that all the time, but how many have found some gold where the world says there is no gold? What the world called old and what the world called un- like weird and what the world called everything else, all of a sudden you found Jesus there. And the disciples sometimes were called out of, some of the disciples followed John the Baptist who was the forerunner of Jesus and they had to leave the lesser thing to follow the greater thing even though that lesser thing was a good thing. And some of them had to leave jobs. Matthew was a tax collector and Luke was a doctor. And some of them had to leave questionable lifestyles, dancing lifestyles and steal money kind of lifestyles. But every single one of them, hear this now, Every single one of them had to let go of something lesser to gain something greater. And it is often I found that our lack of desire and almost our fear that stops us, we kind of hold on to this thing and God say, let go of that thing. And you're like, I don't want to because I don't know what's over here. But I just want to tell you, when you let go of here, something greater is right here. Something greater is right here. Years ago, I was dating a girl and the Lord's like, that's not the one. And it's a hard thing to let go of something less when you're not sure what's coming. But how many know I got what was coming and it was better than what was, but I didn't know it. <laughs> that's just a little brownie point. It's just a little, you know, you got to work what you can. <laughs> You got to work what you can. How many know that sometimes giving finances to God feels like, ha? And you got to let go of something lesser so that you can gain something greater. But it, I've always found every time God asked me to give over and above regular giving, I'm like, ha? And there is fear there. But God says, no, don't stay in fear. Get in faith. Move, decide, I'm good, I'm for you. Whether God blesses you materially or whether He blesses you in your heart and in your spirit and in your vision and in your character. God, when He says, let go of that one thing, He has to say it. Why? Because He has something greater for you. Man, I'm not even to my notes yet. Let me give you my first thought today other than I've given you like 900 thoughts. Number one, value truth greater than convenience. If you're going to be a Nathaniel, if you're going to be a Nathaniel, you're going to value truth greater than convenience. It's convenient just to sleep in. It's convenient not to read. It's convenient not to sometimes go to church. It's convenient not to listen to that one thing that'll build your faith. Notice that he's under the fig tree seeking something. It was probably easier to seek something else. It really was. I've found in life it's easier to seek the lesser thing, isn't it? It's easy to seek that thing that's kind of right in front of you, but God says, no, stretch, son. Stretch, daughter. Years ago, um, oh oh man, early days in our church, six months in our church, we we were like, hey, we asked someone, hey, is God doing something in your life? And and, um, we let this one woman share a testimony. And how many know that sometimes you give a person a microphone? You shouldn't give the microphone to. And she's telling a story where she went to the bank and, and the person in front of her pulled out, you know, did the thing and they walked away and they forgot the money. And she was like, showed up, was like, hallelujah. 
And my wife and I were sitting there awkwardly in the front row going, wait, you didn't go and like take the money and chase her down? She was like, nah, I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the country. Woo, pressed out, running together. And we were like, she's crazy. She's a thief and she doesn't know it. We were like, what? Now you'll see all our stories there on camera because we cut out the crazy, right? <laughs> we learned that lesson. Some of you got some crazy you got to cut out. <laughs> Woo! It's a good one. Number two, value truth greater than comfort. Value truth greater than comfort. How many love a little comfort? Come on, say yes. <laughs> Don't lie to me in church. Just... Value truth greater than comfort. You know, sometimes it was comfortable to follow Jesus. In John chapter 6, he is popular. He's literally multiplying Chick-fil-A everywhere. Like, yeah, like just hot and spicy one, right? Just cheese and lettuce and tomato. Or maybe it was nuggets or maybe it was the chicken salad. I don't know. What, maybe it was thick shakes. He's multiplying everything. And how many know when you just feed 20,000 people and they're all just showing up just for free? How many know it's a good day? Wow, we love Jesus. And then later in the sermon, he begins to tell them that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And they are, they're like, this is vampire stuff, Jesus. We don't, you know, this is like that, that weird vampire show back in the day. Ah, you know? And they didn't get it. Someone say they didn't get it. And he's teaching them a spiritual principle, but they are thinking it is a physical principle. And so they are not connecting. And then he asks the disciples this question, are you going to go too? And Peter speaks up and says, to whom else do we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. And what's interesting, and I found this, that later they understood. How many know sometimes you can be in church and not understand? Read the Bible, not understand. There's still some things in the Bible that I read and I don't understand. I've been reading it for 24 years now, all the time. And, and there's still some things I won't understand. But I found if I hang out with Jesus long enough, even the disappointing things, he can show me there was a blessing in it. Yeah. Even the things I didn't understand, he'll actually say, if you don't understand that, just wait, son. The Apostle Paul said, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror in 1 Corinthians 13. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. One day you'll see heaven and all your questions. Don't you love the people who are like, oh, when I see God, I'm going to ask him a question. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, I got a question for him. Can you create a rock bigger than you can carry? No, you're going to see God. Oh, I wish I trusted you more. Your essence is love. Your essence is holiness. Your essence is goodness. Are you with me? Value truth greater than comfort. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 27, this jumped out at me. I was reading the word the other day and this jumped out at me. I wanted to preach this to a men's message, but I couldn't help myself. I had to, I had to use it for today. 1 Samuel 10, 27 says this, but there were some scoundrels who complained, who, how can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts, speaking of King Saul. But Saul ignored them. Now watch this now. Nahash, the very word Nahash, means serpent 
and it means witchcraft. Nahash was a king that invades Israel. It says this, Nahash, king of the Ammonites, had been grievously oppressing the people of Gad and Reuben. Someone say Gad. Gad. Someone say Reuben. Reuben. Gad and Reuben who lived east. Someone say east. East of the Jordan. Now watch how messed up this king Nahash was. He gouged out the right eye of each of the Israelites living there and he didn't let anyone come and rescue them. I was reading this text and I was just like picturing two tribes of Israel and none of them have two eyes. But what struck me around the text is that I noticed that it said east of the Jordan. And I'm like, wait, I thought they were meant to camp out west of the Jordan. Numbers actually 32 says this, verse five, this is Gad and this is Reuben, the two tribes. God's promise was to them, your land is west of the Jordan, but they are east of the Jordan. And here's what they say. They say, if we have found favor, sounds spiritual, doesn't it? If we have found favor in your sight, please let us have this land, someone say this land, as our property instead of giving us land across the Jordan. Twelve tribes, all of them were promised land on the west of the Jordan, but the land looked comfortable. The land looked good for cattle and sheep and, and they had lots of cattle and sheep, the Gadites and the Reubenites. And they say to Moses, Moses, let us stay in the land of comfort. Even though God had promised them a land on the west, but they stayed on the east. And what's interesting, they then become the first part of the tribes who are overtaken by a king. And what does he do? He takes their vision. He takes their vision. The first thing the devil does, the first thing the serpent does, the first thing Nahash witchcraft does, the first thing that compromise does is actually take your vision. See, when you get all comfortable, oh, I'm comfortable. I like comfort, how about you? But I found that God doesn't like me being comfortable. He really doesn't. He's always trying to get me to believe more. Look how rude. He's always trying to get me to give more, pray more. I'm like, Lord, when's Because He wants me to keep moving and not get so comfortable because in the land of comfort, it's killing you. The land of the same praying, the same reading of the Bible, the same church attendance, the same level of giving, the same level of faith. He's like, no, go from glory to glory. Keep growing. If there's a message I have for men, it's keep growing, baby. Keep growing. Don't get stuck. It's dangerous getting stuck. Oh, when you get stuck, bad things happen. When you don't keep on pushing forward. Why are we fasting 10 times throughout this year? Three different, three days, 30 days total. Why? Because I feel like it's the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, this is what you're going to do. I'd rather not, Jesus. Last time we fasted, it was snowing. How many know like on a snow day, it's the will of God to eat a lot? Like it just is, right? I mean, it's snowing, it's beautiful outside. You can't even go anywhere. Well, let's eat a lot. That is the will of God. 
One of our pastors on team was like, it's like, oh, on that snow day, I couldn't believe we were fasting. <laughs> and I said to him, I felt the exact same thing. <laughs> Value truth greater than comfort. The clans of comfort lost their vision. Here's the thing, when you lose your vision, you'll always lose your freedom. When you lose your vision, when you lose your faith, when you lose your vision for your finances, lose your vision for your relationships, lose your vision of who you are in God, you'll eventually get stuck and oppressed by fear and lies. Number three, real quick, as I close today. Value truth greater than the applause of culture. The applause of culture. How many want people to like you say yes? I believe for the favour of God and the favour of man, I'm not one of those Christians that like, everyone's gonna hate you. Everyone's gonna persecute you. There'll be times when maybe people don't like it. And I believe for the favour of God and the favour of man. I think sometimes people get persecuted because they're weird. Or they just don't do it in a loving way. They kind of do it in a very unwise way. But I do wanna say this, Daniel chapter three, everyone in Babylon was to bow to a certain idol, 60 feet high, six cubits wide, whatever a cubit is, I don't have time to look. This huge idol and this really thousands upon thousands of people and all of them are called to change their worship to one particular thing. And I just want you to feel the weight of that for a moment if you're the only one standing out with you and three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And they are the only ones who won't bow. They're the only ones. Like, can you hear people go, you're taking your religion a little bit too serious. Don't be silly, you're literally, it wasn't like, if you worship, they'd call, they, it was the ultimate cancel culture. Throw you in the fire. That's not ban you off Twitter. That's not kick you off YouTube. That's like put you in a fire and burn your bottom. <laughs> Till your bottom doesn't have any more bottom. Dead. Like a burnt sausage, like. Burnt hot dog, burnt just scraps. That was what they were doing to them. How many know that's some pressure? How many know a spirit of fear would have been so prevalent? It actually would have seemed, let me say this, it would have seemed wise. Just this once, Jesus. Can I worship this once? Can I worship this once? And I just want to share with you quickly how God dealt with me about five or six years ago. Someone's phone's going off. It's a good time to shut it off. Imagine answering, hello, it's Gabriel. That was a weird ring, by the way, Marcella. What? I know, I will call you out, yes. You can, she can handle it, she can handle it. 
new job this week and called out in church, whatever. Yeah. But just think of the pressure when everyone is bowing and you're going to die. Cancel culture. Cancel you. I was at a youth event five, six, seven years ago, I think. I was at a youth event that I went to for our youth. I, I kind of didn't go for me, silly me. But as I was in this youth event, a guy by the name of Jeremy Johnson, who leads a great church called Fearless LA from Los Angeles, he was preaching and he's preaching this amazing message. But what's interesting is that as he's preaching, it was like God, it's never happened in all the preaching I've heard throughout my entire life. It's never happened before. It was like God shut him up and he began to speak to me about where I was personally in fear. And he showed me something so unique because most of the time you don't see that you're in it, even if you are in it. Because you think fear is like over here and anxiousness is way over here, like this extreme stuff, like the person has anxiety. No, no, no. Fear is, I think a certain thing and I give into the fear of people. And as, as, as a communicator, as someone who likes people, loves people and wants people to like them, I would sometimes feel that fear that I would literally be getting dressed for church. And I felt like the Lord showed me that, what does that person think of that? And fear is so subtle that if you give into it, what you're actually doing is you are limiting what God wants to do. And then another time I was, I was talking to my son, he was seven or eight years old. And I was so clear with him on how to handle his money. I was like, son, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna give God a dollar, you're gonna save a dollar, you're gonna spend the rest. And I just wanted to teach him kingdom finance. As I'm teaching him and, and, and communicating to him how he should do it, I realised, am I this clear with my church? Which meant this, I was fearing people, not loving people. When he was seven years old, he came out to an event and I was baptised in the Holy Spirit at seven years old. So when he was seven years old, I, I began to pray for him that he'd be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And we went out to this uh, event out in San Diego and actually was at that event. But I remember thinking, how come I'm praying harder for my son to be baptised and immersed in the Holy Spirit than I would for our church? Because I realised I was fearing people sometimes instead of loving people. And the truth of the matter is that subtlety in fear will hold your life back because you won't be a person of character because you can't be because you're surrounded by people who aren't because you're afraid of everyone's opinion. Like there was a lot of fear I found when it came to leading this church in this last year. Like do we open, do we not open? Masks. Sanitizer, and we have we bought machines that make the place even cleaner, and all this kind of stuff. But here's what I believe: when the government tells the church how to worship, something's wrong. Hear me very clearly again: when the government tells church what to say, how to worship, something is wrong and it's a spirit of fear what if we get sued what if this happens 
But let us live above fear. Let us live above fear. It's gonna come your way. It's gonna hit you. But you're gonna see it and address it. Sometimes the greatest thing to you not being a Nathaniel is fear of everyone else, what they think. Fear. Fear. God has greater for you. You gotta step out of the boat. God has greater for you. When He says give, give. When He says pray for that one, pray for that one. God has greater for you. He wants to show you greater things, but it is normally on the other side of faith. But to get to faith, here's the thing, get to get to the faith you want, you often have to go through fear. Are you hearing me? I refuse because I feel it sometimes. I refuse. I refuse to be the echo chamber of the TV. Like if I feel like I'm preaching the same thing as the mainstream media is preaching, here's the thing. I've probably given in to a spirit of fear. Number maybe a year ago we were at a men's event. It was it just felt like the Holy Spirit showed up in a unique way. I felt God begin to show me something about the future of our church. And I was like, Lord, I said, but I don't want it. Not because I didn't want it to grow. I realized it's because I feared people. And here's where he spoke to my heart. He says, Son, don't fear them. Love them. Don't fear them. Don't fear the naysayers. Naysayers come, naysayers go. Some will agree with you, some won't. But by the grace of God, call to reach people. Come on, close your eyes. Spirit of the living God, Lord in this place, I know fear is so subtle. It's so subtle, God. It, it hinders people and binds people most of the time when we don't even see it. We don't even realise we're, we're giving in to fear. We think we're being cautious or we think we're being wise many times. But I just pray for the spirit of every man and every woman in this place right now. And I pray that You would breathe on them the breath of heaven. And I pray that healing would flow in that. And I pray that You would sometimes shut me up, God, so that You would speak directly to them throughout our services so that they would be more free than they've ever been before. I pray a garment of fear would get off some people in this place. I pray a garment of fear would get off people. Anyone watching online, I pray that the spirit of fear would get off people and a greater faith on the inside would begin to perkle up and just begin to spring up and bring freedom and change, Lord, where it has to, in the Name of Jesus. You came to set the captives free, so I pray in Jesus' Name that there would be freedom as we choose truth. That'll always bump us into You. Oh, Jesus, we love You all across this place, eyes closed. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here for the very first time, maybe you've been here a hundred times. 
I want you to notice something for a second that Jesus looks at Nathanael and he knew everything about him in an instant. He was a man of integrity, but the truth is, Jesus knows everything about you, everything about me, everything you've done, everything you're going to do. And that's the reason He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead. He defeated sin, death and hell forever. But He sees you and He knows you and He loves you. And He knows whether you're an authentic child of God. He knows whether you're playing church or playing religion. He knows and He sees, but He invites you to authenticity. He invites you to Himself. He invites you to truth. So if you're here in this place right now and you don't know if you're a child of God, you don't, you're not sure, you say, man, I, when you're talking about being a person of integrity, that was not me. That has not been me. So in this place, right here, right now, let this place, let this moment, let this time be a moment of decision for you. Where you literally just open your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know everything anyway, there's no point hiding. And so right now I turn to You and trust in You. I ask You to forgive my sin. I, I ask You to cleanse my life. I ask You to change me from the inside out. And to every person who wants to do that, we're gonna pray out loud as a family and as a church family, a spiritual family. So come on all across this place, let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need You. I admit that I need Your grace. I need Your mercy. I bring to You my life, my heart, my lifestyles. And I ask You to change me. May I never be the same. Help me be like Nathaniel, a man of integrity. I need your help with this one. Eyes closed. If you meant business with God, you said yes to Jesus, perhaps for the first time. Perhaps many years ago you knew Christ, but you've run away from Him, turned away, slipped away. However it is, you're away. If you meant business with God in this place right now, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Raise it up high all across this place. One, two, three, raise your hand. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand all across this place. Thank you, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much in the back there. That's awesome. Thank you, those two there. Thank you, thank you. That's awesome today. That's awesome today. See that one. See that one. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank You for every hand, every heart, every life, every person online. Right now, in Jesus' Name, let a fresh touch of God come upon every person. Raise their hand. Let a filling of the Holy Spirit come in this place right now where every single person needs it. And may we walk out of this place different. May we walk out of this place change. We trust You for it. In the mighty Name of Jesus. Come on, if you receive God's Word, would you give the Lord a hand? you just made that decision to follow Jesus, we are so excited for you. We believe that is the best decision you could ever make. So we wanna resource you with this free book, Following Jesus, right after service, you can grab it at the right-hand side at our Next Steps area. If you're online, you can text 
What can you text? You can text CONNECT7 <laughs> to 97000. Check off following Jesus and we will mail this book to you. Hey, don't forget to register for Easter and the Easter egg hunt. Can't wait to see you guys there. God bless you, church.